if it was me making my first investment with my hard-earned money that I was scared to release, I would probably invest in it as an LP into somebody's fund and go through a little bit of gentle passive learning curve on there. Now, if I had no money and couldn't put a dollar in and I want to get involved, still there's room for you and there's a way to make it happen. And like I had said earlier, you can get in this industry with just a couple thousand dollars and buy a home and put it in somebody's park. That was Glenn Esterson speaking about one of the many opportunities he sees for those who get involved in the manufactured housing industry. In this case, as an investor, manufactured housing and the opportunities it is and will create will be our focus on this episode, episode number 103 of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. If that describes you, then this is the podcast for you. If you're a freelancer, a startup or small business, a well-established company, a nonprofit, or even someone thinking about a second or possibly a third career, this is for you too. You see, here in Looking Forward, we focus on global trends in the future, but most importantly, on the opportunities they're creating. Yes, we're all about opportunities here. Our guest experts will not only tell you about those opportunities, they will also give you some tips to help you take the first steps toward capitalizing on them. I'm your host, Jeff Ostroff. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to speak about a little-known but increasingly attractive niche that in recent years has really started to take off again, especially in the United States. Manufactured housing. In my conversation with our featured guest expert, you're going to learn such things as how the manufactured housing industry has evolved over the decades, why there is an enormous supply and demand challenge in the industry today, and what that bodes for this industry's future. More importantly, you'll learn about the many opportunities our guest believes the manufactured housing industry offers you, whether you are a home buyer, property owner, investor, lender, white or blue-collar worker, or builder. Finally, in true Looking Forward Opportunities fashion, you'll also get some tips on what steps you can take to begin to capitalize on one or more of these opportunities. To share all this great information with us, we've brought on an outstanding guest expert in the manufactured housing industry. He's Glenn Esterson. Glenn Esterson is a first vice president with Marcus and Millichap. He is laser-focused on brokering manufactured housing communities on a national level, transacting in 25-plus states since 2020. Glenn has over 20 years' experience in the industry. He's also a former park owner himself. Glenn and his team have sold hundreds of parks nationwide and continue to be one of the industry's most active broker teams. In 2021, the Esterson MHC team sold over 70 manufactured housing and recreational vehicle parks across the United States, representing a total sales volume of over $265 million. Glenn is also the author of the Mobile Home Park Manifesto, 
ethical, and profitable investing in non-institutional grade land lease communities. You'll find more information about Glenn's book by visiting our website, www.jeff-ostroff.com. Hi, Glenn. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm delighted to have you on the show. Before we got on the air, so to speak, I had mentioned to you, and I'll now mention it again, that several years ago, I actually looked at a home that was on a manufactured housing property down in Florida. It was a trailer park. I ended up not buying it. But for the most part, other than visiting a friend of mine who lived in a trailer park, I really don't have much familiarity with the manufactured housing industry. And I know it's a big industry. I know you wrote a book about it. And that's why I want to learn about it and why I want our listeners to learn about it. I'm sure that there are many opportunities that go with it. And that's what we're going to be talking about. The first thing, Glenn, that I want to ask you is, can you explain to us precisely what is meant by manufactured housing and when it began to take off as a trend? Sure. Back in the day, they used to call them trailers, right? Or trailer parks. It's kind of a no-no anymore. We don't really call them that, right? They have a stigma against them. And those are what you imagine on those derelict type of TV shows where everything is just crazy. They're not really like that. The vast majority of them, should I say, are not really like that. The investment grade ones are definitely not like that. And what we call them, the preferred vernacular now is manufactured housing communities or manufactured homes when speaking about an individual unit. What I do is help people buy and sell the communities, not the homes, but the communities. And it's a small niche investment corridor that's quite popular today. 10 years ago, it wasn't very popular. Only insiders really knew about it. Five years ago, it started cracking open. And today, it's one of the hotter investment vehicles out there for multiple reasons. I've been in manufactured housing since I bought my first park in like 2003 or so. And I've been a broker since 2001. And for the last half of my career, I have been exclusively selling manufactured home communities to investors, for investors around the nation. And I run a national team and we saw a lot of parks. Like last year, we sold 77 parks. So that's kind of what I do in my primary time. Additionally, what couples in with that is we run an advisory company called the MHP Expert, and we help anybody trying to get into the world of investing in manufactured housing parks or investors that are looking for evaluations on their parks that they currently own, strategies. How do I do this thing or that thing and what's the best way to do it? We help people learn what the industry is about. You mentioned my book. Thank you. We have a a book out that I wrote a few years ago called The Mobile Home Park Manifesto. It's a guide to ethical investing when dealing with this space, because as you might infer, a lot of our tenants are very, very low income. And it makes capitalism in with things like this. It can kind of run off the rails a little bit. So we provide sort of an ethical way of acquiring these parks. And I wrote a whole book about it. Somehow it got very popular and sold 10,000 plus copies. That was nice, and I hope it has an influence in in the industry. Outside of my direct business with manufactured housing, obviously, I talk to manufacturers who make the actual homes, you know, around the country all the time. I talk to the various vendors that are related with my industry, 
and have seen those industries start to really grow and evolve far beyond. Now, going back to what you had asked about the history, back in the 50s and 60s, these parks started popping up all over the place. And they were more like um, a caravan type park where you would go and and go camping at for the weekend. Eventually, that turned into permanent residence. And then eventually, in the 60s and 70s, this mobile home park took off. And parks started popping up everywhere around the country. And that was the 70s and 80s were kind of their heyday for a while. Somewhere in the 80s, it started falling out of favor as a lot of the parks that were built 20, 30, 40 years earlier started to decay and the management decayed and the tenants decayed. And next thing you know, they have a TV show about it and everybody's acting bonkers. In the 90s and and 2000s, it started to transition back into the investment because the returns on these things are fabulous. And when that started to turn, the manufacturers had been shutting down facilities. The creation of homes started falling off, creating a gap. Then in the 2000s, it picked back up in favor, but we've never picked up the manufactured housing side of it from a production side. And now we're off to the races and trying to buy homes can be a little difficult because we only make about 100, 110,000 homes a year from the whole industry. In the 70s and 80s, in the heyday, they were making 300,000 units a year. Okay, So significantly less production today than there used to be. And that's probably a big opportunity in the future, especially for guys that are familiar with the manufacturing process and able to build some facilities. There's a lot of donut holes here in the United States. We only have 40,000 parks or so, 45,000 parks in the entire country. Okay, And there's about 25 million people, plus or minus, that live in a trailer. That's a large amount of people. And every year, more people cycle into it coming out of either expensive apartments and things like that. But again, we can only produce about 100,000. So it's made this environment very attractive to investors because of this uh, supply demand. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more. I wanted to ask you, Glenn, you're talking about the evolution of manufactured housing in the United States. Can you speak a little bit? to the rest of the world. We have roughly speaking 12 to 15% of our listeners not in the US. And so I'm wondering if this is something that is unique to the United States, this meaning both manufactured housing and also the evolution of it as you've been speaking about. Yeah, 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 sure. It's actually pretty exciting and interesting because it's almost an anomaly in a lot of the world. They don't have manufactured homes, trailer homes, but you're used to sitting along rectangles. And I travel the world as, as often as possible. I just got back from a month in, in Europe. What you'll notice over there is these don't really exist except in the UK. There's some in Russia and there's some in, in a few other countries, but uh, the vast majority, like what we see here, does not exist elsewhere. And I don't know if it's a supply constraint or a government constraint or you know some of those things, but there's only a handful of places in the world that use manufactured housing as a place to live and as an investment grade vehicle. So like in the UK, it's a different model than what we do over here, but same premise, basically. Somebody owns the land and a tenant rents a unit either directly from the owner on that land or they buy their own home from a manufacturer and they put it on the owner's land and then rent just the land. And the manufacturing process, not in the United States, that's over in Europe, Poland has some of the best manufacturing facilities, but they're not making manufactured homes like we're used to seeing, like trailers. They make manufactured homes, 
beautiful homes that can be assembled in a you know in a couple of days, built in a factory in a, in a week or two, and then shipped to your land, and then a house is there. Now we have that same model here; they just do it differently. In the United States, we keep it pretty cookie cutter, and there are a few guys that are doing things that are beyond the normal established build a rectangle at a facility and transport it to a place. There's a few groups out there that are making much more beautiful type homes built off-site in the warehouse and then delivered and assembled on-site. And you couldn't distinguish them between a house built from with sticks and, and bricks on-site versus this house that was delivered there. But they cost substantially more than your typical rectangle-shaped manufactured home that I'm substantially more familiar with. Okay. Can you give us an idea about the sales, at least in the United States? Sure. From a investment standpoint of a mobile home community sold to another investor or to anyone for that matter, last year was a peak year from Velocity. You know, the last few years have been averaging around two billion plus or minus in total transaction volume. Last year was about four billion plus or minus. This year we'll probably see something better than two billion, but probably not four billion. So it's a big industry, obviously, but it's not as big as like an apartment industry. And then from an individual home sales, which I don't know the exact numbers on there, but I do know that we only produce about a hundred thousand plus or minus homes a year. And the homes will sell for an average of fifty or sixty thousand dollars a home. So you can do the math from there. Now, of course, there are homes that are hundred thousand dollar manufactured homes, nice double wide sectional type homes. But the, the vast majority of the homes that are being produced are singles. And the investors that are populating their parks and you know bringing lots, making lots online and renting them to a tenant, those guys are buying up the vast majority of the manufactured homes that are being produced. Last year, for instance, even up in the beginning of this year, there was a 12-month wait time on getting your homes delivered. Luckily, in the last few months, they fixed that bottleneck and it's probably three to six months, which is still not a terrible time, but there's a supply demand and there's a bottleneck and it's it's hard to get homes, but uh, that part will get fixed, I think. So that, that kind of gives us the numbers. Call it a $4 billion industry from a investment standpoint. And I don't know, maybe a half a billion to a billion in the manufactured housing standpoint uh, from the homes. Okay. In some ways, Glenn, at least in terms of the demand, it reminds me of the regular residential real estate market this past year. I had a guest on talking about the shortage of housing. Yes. There, so. It's definitely affected our industry in, in a positive way, right? Because it's made more people open their eyes to manufactured housing as an affordable solution. Maybe they don't need to own the land underneath them, but they want to own the home that they live in. And this is a good opportunity to really cut your costs because the average mobile home lot rent in the country, plus or minus, call it $500, $600, and in many places still two or $300, whereas the average rent in the country is probably you know $1,500 to $2,000 if I had to guess. And that probably doesn't even include the, the single family homes that are the bigger, nicer stuff. Yes. Here in Looking Forward, we're looking for opportunities for anybody who's looking for a job, maybe changing a job, changing a career, starting a career, somebody who is an entrepreneurial type person, somebody who's an investor, freelancers. That's a lot of different people. Yeah. Can you speak to how some of those people might plug into this? Sure. But you, you hit the nail on the head when you said entrepreneur. 
entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial spirit is what this industry is right now. It's coming out of the dark ages, adding technology to everything that didn't exist before. So there's a lot of fresh, fresh work to be done that hasn't been done yet in all aspects of it, right? So you heard me earlier say that the manufacturing side of the business is a real bottleneck. In the heyday, we used to make 300,000 homes. Today, we make 100,000 homes. The demand for 300,000 homes is still there. So, you know, somebody that wants to bring on some manufacturing facilities, even from a small number or or a massive number, that opportunity exists right now. To be a broker in this industry, when I started doing this, you know, years ago, there was just a handful of us around the country that did this. Now there's, there's hundreds of us. There's still room for more. And it's a, it's a very good industry to, to be involved in from that way. From the ownership side, just buying your own mobile home park and turning it into a reoccurring income for you is what the name of the game is and why so many investors have moved over to this because it becomes very turnkey over time. The first few years can be a real bear, but eventually you can turn it into a cash cow for you. And then on the blue collar side of life, which is where I started at with things, is you have all the independent jobs that support our industry. The people who uh, drive, you transport the home from the manufacturing facility to the manufactured park. That's a job that is in desperate need of right now. The people that help with installing water meters and, and doing, you know, repaving the roads and stuff like that. There's a specialization need for our industry for all the accompanying parts that go into it, which right now is is definitely not being filled on any kind of national and many times local level. I mean, even on the the banking side of things, the banks have just recently started opening up to to lending to us again. And there's still a real opportunity for people to use their their own money as a hard money loan type of thing or a more traditional type loan. Like you'll see a lot of entrepreneurs have come in and, and started helping investors finance their parks. And there's some real money to be made on that as well. And you can start in this industry with very little money. Some of the most entrepreneurial guys I know are coming off a very normal 40-hour-a-week job, and they're buying one or two mobile homes inside of a park, fixing them up, and then renting them to a tenant and making a cash flow off of it with just a few thousand dollars invested. That's a real opportunity out there for guys that don't have a lot of money because people think investment real estate, they think they got to have all this crazy amount of money to get started. And the reality is, in, in the world we live in right now, you don't. You could have literally five or $10,000 and get started in this industry and be able to make an impact to your wallet and to the people that you're assisting. So I would say right now, it's very much a, an opportunistic world for somebody that uh, is willing to get a little dirty and go through some learning curve and get into this industry. Excellent. In terms of building the homes, you have the opportunities for the people then who would work for the manufacturers, whether they might be the actual skilled labor that builds the homes or the people who work in accounting or wherever else, correct? Correct. And all those positions are desperately needed right now. On the property management side, uh, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of people that are still needed. I don't want to make it sound like it's not a good job. It's a lower paid job, some of these things, but sometimes that's where you need to start. You need to start at at the beginning of it and learn the skill. And right now, I mean, the the world's your oyster in this niche that I'm in. I mean, if you stick around long enough and you learn whatever trade you're doing well, there's upward mobility for sure. Very good point about 
for some people, they got to start someplace, even if they're making a shift right from one career to another, they might have to step backwards to do that. I really hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you are, can you please do me a small favor? Let some of your family members, friends, or others in your network know about it and about looking forward opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And hey, if you happen to like this podcast, my interviewing approach, or maybe even my voice, please consider checking out some of the many services my business provides. These include podcast hosting, creation and consulting, voiceovers, professional interviewing, production of audio or video profiles to help you sell your business, promote your services, increase your customers, or raise funding, event hosting and meeting facilitation, and services to help you market to the large and growing seniors population. That's something I've actually written a book about. To learn more, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. You can also email me at jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Looking Forward. Opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. Plan, is there a way to play this opportunity in the market? Is there a group of funds that focuses on, or a fund that focuses on manufactured housing communities? Oh, of course, yeah. There is. You know, there's a lot of options today with how the internet is just giving more exposure to everybody out there from, from an investment standpoint. But what a lot of people do who don't want to get into the nitty gritty of operating the park themselves is they find a, a known operator who's raising money to go buy a few more parks and you join them as an LP and you send them the money. Some people will take as small as a $10,000 investment to be an LP. Some people have minimum of half a million dollars to be an LP in the investment. And it's everything in between. And you get to just give them your money. And then look at your email once a month, once a quarter to see how it's performing. It's very passive and it often returns very well. I mean, most of the investments that people do through these funds are are typically three to five, maybe seven year investments that have varying returns associated with them, depending on the complexity of the deal. But oftentimes you're going to two, three X your money over the course of that thing. It's a great entry point. If you, a guy who has a pretty high tax bill at the end of the year and you're not utilizing LPs and manufactured housing, there's a real opportunity for you to get cash flow, get some massive tax depreciation incentives. Okay. So you'd be able to tax the depreciation comes over to you most of the time as an LP and offset your taxes with it. So that's not a tax accountant, not, a, not any of those people. I'm not giving you tax advice, but typically, this is you know, what people do. And I do it myself, uh, not necessarily with my industry because I don't like to compete with people, but as an LP in plenty of other industries, you invest in them, you sit back, you collect your money and you get a, a report every few months. And a few years later, they sell the company or the business and you collect. Yes. And just for the benefit of those of you who aren't as familiar with the terminology, LP is limited partnerships. Oh, sorry. Uh, and that's okay, Glenn. Looking forward is in part about looking into the future. We can't expect you to tell us what's going to happen in 20 years. We probably can't expect for you to accurately tell us what's going to happen in two years. We had COVID hit us. Nobody knew that was going to happen, right? You're as good as anybody, Glenn, to give us an idea about over the next few years, say in the remainder of the decade, 
or even just a few years out. Sure. Where do you see the manufactured housing industry going? So looking forward, there's really no way for it to go but up, okay? Because it's a very limited supply and the demand is just outrageous for these things. Whether you're a tenant looking for a cheaper home, whether you're a retiree looking to have an affordable place that you can stay at, whether you're an investor trying to buy a park, all those kind of categories are just massive demand. And that is keeping this looking forward as a very viable option. On top of that, we're just coming out of the Stone Age, like I said, and the technology is really you know, improving all aspects of this industry, and it will continue to. From my viewpoint, even if they allowed a carte blanche build out of mobile home parks around the country, we would still not be able to fill the demand in the next 10 years, mainly because the manufacturing of the home is, is pretty tight and limited, like I said, 100,000 homes. But beyond that, it's such a good option for people that maybe don't make more than 100,000 a year or 70,000 a year. It's just such a good option for them that this will probably continue to be one of the, the better investment verticals of the real estate community. I would like to add a caveat to things that could change our industry significantly, and that is back to the manufactured housing process itself. There's guys like Elon Musk out there trying to release a $10,000 delivered home. That would just change the world, I think, you know, for people. Is it something you'd want to live in? I don't know. I've only seen mock-ups. It's a fairly small unit. But And then there's other groups out there that have been making these really transportable homes that, in my opinion, would make a tenant feel safer about moving into a park, despite the fact that we're mobile homes. These things aren't very mobile. Once they get put there, they're very hard to move again, okay? And they're very costly. Yeah. Uh, and so there's engineers out there creating new models that can literally order a truck, the home folds back up, gets back on the truck and drives away. I think we're going to see more of that in the future. Right now, it's kind of mythical almost, but I think we'll see more of that as we continue to broach what is possible in the manufactured housing industry because we're coming out of the Stone Age and into the Golden Age. I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me of something. I had a great guest on, Stephanie Robson, and she talked about in the hotel industry, how they were putting up these prefab rooms, hotel rooms, oh, yeah. and it was emanating from Europe. Plan tons of opportunities. I like the way that you're pointing to the future and talking about opportunities, but also speaking about the caveats. I think it's very important to let everybody know that there are other things that are happening that might have an impact on the degree of opportunities, the profitability of opportunities. So I'm glad you shared that as well. What tips would you give our listeners, no matter where they live, on what they need to do to tap into one or more of these manufactured housing opportunities? And when I say tips, what I mean is, do they need, for example, to have a certain kind of an education? Do they need to learn specifically about real estate and manufactured housing? What do they need to do to get into this? Well, I don't want to self-promote, but if you know nothing about this industry, my book's very helpful. There you go. Well, it's five bucks. Five bucks! If you don't like it, I promise you I'll give you back your money. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the digital copy is five bucks. Oh, come on, folks. And it, I'll give you back your money, no problem, if you don't like it, okay? And that will at least give you some idea of what the industry's about. 
But barring that, I would say get into the online communities about manufactured housing. There's plenty of them on Facebook and LinkedIn and, and all those type of social channels and start hearing what other people are doing. And if it was me making my first investment with my hard-earned money that I was scared to release, I would probably invest in it as an LP into somebody's fund and go through a little bit of gentle, passive learning curve on there. Now, if I had no money and couldn't put a dollar in and I want to get involved, still there's room for you and there's a way to make it happen. And like I had said earlier, you can get in this industry with just a couple thousand dollars and buy a home and put it in somebody's park. And again, the online communities are a great place to learn about doing that type of process as you go in. The older I get, the more I, more passive I want to be with my investments. But if I was you know, 20 years old and trying to make my name all over again, I would absolutely be utilizing the, the online content that's out there. There's a ton of great information and I would get mentor. A mentor would be a real real important thing to find. And there's plenty of people out there that are happy to mentor and give an education on it. Of course, then there's other guys that offer classes and stuff that can cost a few hundred to a few thousand to, to get a pretty decent education about it. But getting started now is, it's like they say about real estate, the best time to buy real estate was yesterday. The next best time is today. You know? today yes. There's not a big barrier to entry to get involved in this industry, I guess is what I'm saying from a tip standpoint. That is wonderful. Just one follow-up question about the LPs, the limited partnerships, and somebody's who may be interested in dipping their toe in the water, as I think you may have said, how would they find out about those? I know it's online, but is there a group? Yeah, there's groups that go in there and you go and meet other brokers like me and you go and get on their lists and you go and you know start meeting people in the industry and asking questions and you, you'll filter up to people that are doing it. Most of the time... Brokers like me and, and my competitors, we at least know the 5, 10, 20, 100 guys out there that are out there raising money right now for a deal they're getting ready to buy. And they oftentimes will say, hey, if you know anybody wants to invest, just you know connect them with us. And we do plenty of that as well. But you might feel a little iffy getting it from you know, a broker on the phone. There might be some discourse there. So you might find it a bit friendlier just going through the online communities and asking, hey, do you know who's raising any money and who's got an open LP position and stuff like that. Okay, that's great. Before we get into letting people know more about how they can get in touch with you and your book, et cetera, is there anything else, Glenn, that you think our listeners need to know about the opportunities that manufactured housing might offer to them? It's in its infancy. Even though we're 50, 60, 70 years old, it's really still in its infancy. When you look at everything that's going on, at least in our country, it does not seem like the poor are getting much richer and that they're running up the, you know, into fancy houses and stuff. They're always going to need a safe, affordable, quality home to live in. And that's really coming to fruit this cycle right now. We're seeing that in front of us every day. And so that's kind of where I would be at. The future is wide open with this industry. And I think we're going to see this industry continue to grow leaps and bounds. Government regulation and things like that might hinder some of the growth. But at the same time, there's nothing that's really stopping this industry from massive growth each year over year. Yes. And I'm also so glad that the winners in this, if things are done right, are also people who don't have a lot of income, whether it's cashing in on an opportunity or I guess it's an opportunity to find a place to live that's affordable. So it's a win, 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 win if it's done properly. 
but I don't want to understate how hard it is to be in my industry to be successful, right? So like plenty of people think, oh, I'll go buy a park and I'll fill it and flip it and make a zillion dollars. <laughs> That's not really what this industry is about. And I can tell you a lot of the guys that come in there and they push rents real hard and then they get out, they, they end up in the newspaper all the time out, out here, you know? So it's a hard industry. There's a steep learning curve. And just like anything else, you, you need to get educated before you get too involved with it. Glenn, would love to have you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you and Marcus and Millichap do, how they might use your services, about your sure. book, anything else that you'd want to share with them. It's all yours. Sure. So like I started off saying is, is I help investors sell their mobile home parks to other investors, okay, or, or park owners to investors or future park owners. And what we've done with that is it's a, it's a phenomenal industry. There's 10 or 15 of us in the country that do a national bang up great job. And then there's maybe another hundred brokers that help assist and, and have their little locations. And we, we transact a lot. Like I said, I, I think last year was uh, 2021 was about $4 billion in, in total transaction volume. Now, like me and my little team, which is just a few of us, okay, I think I got three guys on my team and a bunch of admins. We did about 300 million in sales last year, okay, 77 parks. It's tremendously difficult to run that type of operation, at least for me. I'm not usually the smartest guy in the room, so, you know, but I do my best with what I can. <laughs> and uh, it's a fabulous position to find yourself. And if you have the bandwidth and the wherewithal to, to really go through the learning curve and, and understand it. From my team, we advise, we have a massive network of, of investors and buyers and park owners and banks and institutions that we work with from the brand new guy to the guy who's been here for a hundred years, the guy who owns a 10 unit park and the guy who owns a hundred thousand. It's all encompassing. And what's nice is it's, it's a pretty friendly environment. My book, it's a very geared to the entry level type of buyer trying to get into the thing and geared to the seller who's finally selling this park and is worried about being taken advantage of during the sale. We have a master class that's the most affordable master class on the industry out there. So you can come in, download a bunch of worksheets and databases and stuff like that to help you get started. And we do a podcast just, just like this one. You know, we're the, like, I think the number one or two rated podcast for our industry pretty large following there. But at the end of the day, everybody that works with me on my team, we're just here to help. You know, we know the money's going to come. So we're not sitting here badgering anybody about, give me your money. It's all about how can we help you make money. And we try to be very ethical with our approach and very mindful of the fact that we're dealing with the poorest in America and our decisions and our effects have an effect on the tenant base in these parks. And we're not trying to put in a lousy landlord who's going to jam these guys up real hard. We're trying to really be mindful of the succession when it comes to who's going to be taking over the park and things like that. Because these tenants, some of them, we have the stickiest tenant base of anybody. You know, our tenants will stick around 16 plus years on average. Okay. Mm. That's a tremendous length of time. And we have to be very cognizant of that, figuring out what a park's worth and what can be done with it. We take that approach. Other groups might not. That's how we look at it. So we see us as a very advisory type of relationship for all aspects of people trying to involve themselves in this industry. Sounds terrific. The only other things that I'd like you to mention, Glenn, a website for people to go to, and again, the title of your book. Sure. So my website's very easy. It's themhpexpert.com. 
Okay. So like manufactured housing park, the mobile home park, however you want to say it, the MHP expert.com. The book is called the mobile home park manifesto, ethical and profitable investing in non-institutional grade land lease communities. It's a mouthful, but basically it's saying, here's how we can teach you how to sell and buy a mobile home park without squeezing out the little guy and still be able to make a pile of money. Isn't it nice to hear the words ethical and profitable together? I like those words together. (laughs) Glenn, this has been wonderful. Lots of great information. You know your stuff. Thank you so much for being our guest on Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Absolutely. It's been fun being on here with you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. I hope you've enjoyed it and will benefit from it. And if you did like it, Please share this episode with anyone you know who you think might also find it of value. And if you have any comments or questions about Looking Forward or any suggestions for future topics or guest experts, you can reach me at the website www.jeff-ostroff.com or through my email address jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Thanks. 